0: Welcome to the September 2017 Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. I'm Imogen. And I'm Lauren. And if you are new to our podcast, we are rounding up all of the bootcamp news that we read about at Course Report this September. We have a super wide variety of news to round up this month, and we're going to start by looking at what journalists are saying about the current status of the bootcamp industry.
1: There were also some great articles about boot camps thriving in smaller markets, so we'll touch on those. We'll cover the investments and funding that have gone into boot camps in September. And paying for boot camp is something everyone is thinking about. So we'll look at some trends there. And in case
0: you didn't know, tech jobs are still in demand, so we'll see who's hiring bootcamp grads and why.
1: We'll also hear about the experiences of both bootcamp students and founders. And the debate between universities and boot camps
2: continues. Plus, we'll look at new partnerships between universities and boot camps.
0: And as always, we'll let you know about new boot camps and new campuses that are opening up around the
1: world. So let's start off with some general news updates. Liz, we briefly mentioned the Galvanized layoffs in last month's news roundup. But what more do we know now?
0: According to articles in Reuters and in the memo this month, Galvanized, which is based in Denver, but of course they have offices and campuses around the states in cities like Austin, Boulder, uh, Manhattan, Phoenix, San Francisco, Seattle. Um, so they just fired 11% of their workforce. That puts about 40 people out of work. This comes directly after the announcements of two bootcamp shutdowns. And we've said in the past that if other boot camps can find a profitable business model, and they really should be able to, uh, while focusing on quality outcomes and student experiences, then they'll continue to thrive. And I would bet that the, those galvanized layoffs are part of that attempt to find a profitable business model.
1: And in more uplifting news, a grad from the Iron Yard in Houston helped build a website to help Harvey and Irma hurricane victims. Matthew Wright, along with his co-workers from Poetic Systems and one of his Iron Yard instructors, worked to build HarveyNeeds.org, which is a central hub for information on Harvey recovery.
2: And the New York Times looked at how people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s are actually starting to learn how to code. The article gives a rundown of different people and their experiences. And so they talk to an 84-year-old Australian woman who's doing Code Academy, a 60-year-old Seattle woman who took online HTML and CSS classes, a 42-year-old woman who recently did PDX Code Guild Bootcamp in Portland, and also a 71-year-old retired pilot who took General Assembly's web development immersive. So this was definitely an interesting piece to see how your learning doesn't have to end at any specific age.
1: Yeah, very interesting. And we know that the average age of a boot camper is around 29 years old. So I suppose this means that older career changes can make this transition too? Yeah, definitely.
2: I actually remember talking to Susan who attended Startup Institute. She was actually in the tech field before she left the workforce for about 15 to 20 years to raise her family. And then she actually went to Startup Institute in her late 50s to become a software developer. So it's definitely possible to make that transition.
0: Yeah, I love those stories. So obviously, Dev Bootcamp and the Iron Yard closing down have prompted journalists to question the viability of boot camps, and you know, people are asking what the future of coding boot camps is. Um, Imogen, what did you read in Forbes about millennials learning to code?
1: So Forbes contributor and Third Eye founder Rajat Bagaria writes about whether learning to code is still worth it for millennials. He starts off by saying that it used to be worth it three years ago when coding bootcamps were just starting, and he mentions coding bootcamps like Flatiron, GA, Make School. But then he worries that coding could become automated in the future when machines do the coding instead. So I can kind of see where he's coming from, but of course there are tons of arguments against that automation concern.
2: It was interesting actually that we found a Quartz article titled, The Awkward Irony of Not Being Able to Take a Good Coding Bootcamp Online. It actually digs into the idea that while online coding bootcamps are good ideas, they still suffer from the same pitfalls of online education as a whole. And the piece focuses on the notion that students are still less engaged in online learning. So the, the piece doesn't really take into account the success of online boot camps like Thinkful and Block. It does mention how there are differences in cost by pointing out Flatiron School's online course is only a $2,000 difference. But this piece actually really focuses on the negative aspects of online lo- learning, which is very interesting.
0: Yeah, so that course article, like they don't make a distinction between remote, online, part-time when they're talking about engagement. And basically they only mention Flatiron School's online course. Like if you do a very simple uh, Google search, you would find a ton of other online options, a lot, you know, that work for different types of learning styles. Um, and I think it's important to consider all of that information, especially for a student who wants to take a good coding boot camp. Online. Um, there isn't just one one option. Um, and then to completely flip the script, uh, Kate Etherington from eLearning Inside News approaches that question about boot camps being, quote unquote, doomed. And she proposes that it's actually only the on site model that's the real problem. Um, and that on site model is, you know, that it's great for students who can make the sacrifice. But Kate says that it seems likely that the coding boot camps that continue to thrive will actually be established. Online schools like Block and even emerging players in the online coding bootcamp market. You know, I think this is like two sides of a of a coin. We're not really seeing any middle ground here. I don't think that only online schools will thrive, but it is an interesting point when you know we think about how we scale coding bootcamps um, if we do that through online learning. So we'll of course see this debate kind of rage on. But um, two interesting articles.
1: Yeah. And then continuing on this debate about the future of boot camps, the James G. Martin Center for Academic Renewal had a well-researched article to contribute. The center published an in-depth overview of the coding boot camp industry looking at growth, closures and viability of boot camps. They interviewed a number of people, including a representative of a non-profit, which studies disruptive innovation, who predicts that the coding bootcamp industry will experience growth and eventually, quote, change the way colleges compete. But overall, the report finds that it is too soon to tell whether coding schools really pose a possible alternative to colleges and universities.
2: Thanks, Imogen. We'll actually get into that debate in a few minutes. But next, let's talk about how coding boot camps are impacting smaller markets and helping smaller cities reach their hiring demands. So we saw on the Startup Capital podcast how they looked at the lack of tech talent in smaller cities like Tallahassee, Florida. There was a conversation between the director of IO Avenue, a 12 week coding boot camp in the area, and the CEO of Career Source Capital Region, which is a company that collects data on local hiring demands, to show how coding schools like IO Avenue could help solve the tech skills gap problem. So a cool podcast to check out if you want to hear more about what they're doing in Tallahassee to meet the tech talent gap.
0: And in Cincinnati, WCPO looked at what the city is doing to bring nonprofits, technical organizations, universities, and large companies together to make coding a bigger part of their ecosystem. So obviously, Tech Elevator and Cincy Code IT are part of that ecosystem. So WCPO talked with their founders in that piece. And, you know, some say that these smaller markets just don't have the demand for coding boot camps, but this article cites that corporate anchors like Fifth Third Bank and Kroger maintain a consistent demand for coding talent, um, and they're just trying to grow that, that whole ecosystem in general. So just remember that it's not only typical tech companies that hire developers. You'll see, you know, banks, grocery store chains, anyone that you like interact with in any kind of technical way, there are probably tech jobs available at those companies.
1: And then continuing in that vein, the Charleston Business Journal looks at how coding schools are constantly evolving to meet market demand, which is especially important since the closures of Dev Bootcamp and the Iron Yard, the latter of which actually had a campus in Greenville. Mm -hmm. Um, So this article in the journal mentions JRS Coding School and CodeCamp and looks at how those schools have altered their offerings to remain relevant and competitive. The journal also spoke with employer Nina Magnuson from real estate tech company Boomtown, who agrees that Charleston needs these coding courses. Um, But with a growing need for advanced developers, Nina thinks South Carolina should fund apprenticeships and internships within tech companies so that mid-sized software firms can afford to hire and train junior programmers.
0: It's a really good point from an employer, too.
1: And then we
2: found in DW.com... They gave an overview of Berlin, Germany's growth and why it's becoming such a tech hub. So Berlin has had a long term challenge of establishing a base of higher education specifically suited to foster new jobs and companies in the digital economy. So this article really talked about how coding boot camps are actually really helping their economy to prepare for filling these different types of tech jobs.
1: So it's great that bootcamps are helping these economies in in different places around the world. And then we are also continuing to see funding in various forms going into coding bootcamps. So Liz, how is Google showing its support for bootcamps?
0: Well, according to Fortune Magazine, Google, Accenture, and Cloud Now have contributed $40,000 towards student living costs in San Francisco at Holberton School, which is something that everybody faces if they're deciding to move or learn in San Francisco. Um, remember that Holberton has one of these income-sharing agreements. Uh, students pay 17% of their salary for three years after they graduate. And then Cloud Now has also launched a scholarship fund to enable women to study STEM science through either universities or alternative vocational institutions like coding boot camps. And Google and Accenture have donated 20000 dollars towards that fund.
2: Very nice. TechCrunch and VentureBeat reported that Mission U has raised $8.5 million in financing led by FirstMark Capital. The one-year hybrid online in-person bootcamp teaches data analytics and business intelligence. And has an income sharing agreement where students pay 15% of their salary for three years after graduating. This program requires students to meet in person bi-weekly with a majority of the classes happening in live online sessions. And Mission U has partnerships, which is actually really cool, has partnerships with Spotify, Uber, and Warby Parker. And was founded by Adam Braun, who is also the founder of Pencils of Promise.
0: Oh, that's cool to hear about that um, income sharing agreement. I think, you know, we're always keeping an eye out for innovative ways to pay for tuition. And if you've done any research into this topic, you know that there are a lot of very nuanced ways that schools approach tuition. One thing that we noticed over the last month is that schools who were previously offering an income sharing agreement are now changing that to the deferred tuition model.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, Ed Surge recently published an in-depth look at App Academy's Income Sharing Agreement and why they had to change it to a more structured payment plan offering in order to adhere to New York state law. So, originally the school allowed students to pay a percentage of their salary for a set time after they graduated, but this meant that individual students were paying different overall amounts depending on their salaries, which is not allowed under New York regulations. So now App Academy has a system where students can either choose to pay $17,000 up front or choose from a range of deferred tuition options.
0: So clearly San Francisco is not subject to those regulations. It's very interesting. And Imogen actually did a ton of research about deferred tuition and income sharing agreements and published a piece on our blog last week that really breaks down like all the differences between these payment models, uh, which school offers what and what to watch out for when you're choosing one of those plans. Um, I definitely recommend reading it. But Lauren, one student you read about didn't actually end up paying tuition at all, right?
2: yeah so this Times talked to one student, George Warner at Dev Code Camp, who got his tuition paid by his employer, and the author, Lauren Anderson, got a hold of George's boss, who said, and quote, I'm always amazed when I hear company leaders say, I'm hesitant about training people because they might leave. Well, if you don't train them and they stay' that's not a good picture this has to be a leap of faith and you have to trust in your team which we do to me the best way to retain an employee is to help them grow and move forward and thrive in their careers so yes i definitely agree with george's boss in that in terms yeah go
1: george's boss yeah
2: training employees and keeping them letting them stay that's great
1: go george great boot camp success story And this month we heard from another bootcamp grad about her experience and also from a bootcamp founder about why he wanted to start a bootcamp. So Liz, tell us about the article you read by a Launch Academy grad.
0: Yeah, I loved this. Okay, this was a guest post in Technically Philly. By Brianna West. She had just graduated from Launch Academy um, in Boston and she was doing tons of interviews, but they just weren't feeling right. She was like trying to present herself as a um as a legit developer. And she says that once she started talking about her past experience as a ballet dancer, her story made so much more sense. Interviews started to click, and now she's a developer at Power Home Remodeling Group. So Great job, Brianna. And awesome that she's like sharing her experience with future boot campers.
1: And then Silicon Harbor Radio talked to JRS Coding School Chief Technology Innovation Officer Tom Wilson about why he started that coding school. He explains that the parent company is Tabula Racer Healthcare, whose quote, mission is to leverage tech to improve healthcare, end quote. And the team decided that the best way to do that was to launch an innovation center that focused on training. He says, quote, talent is the fuel that drives our innovation, end quote. And then he explains how the program mimics an apprenticeship program with a 12-week school-like training in full-stack JavaScript. He also goes into a lot of detail summarizing a typical day at the boot camp. So I think that's worth a listen if you want to hear an in-depth overview of JRS Coding School and sort of, you know, a coding school that actually has a very uh, tangible mission. For sure.
2: Thanks, Imogen. So each month we love hearing about what jobs are out there for coding bootcamp grads to fill because there are definitely tons. So let's give a short list of what we've found. And no shocker here, but HR Dive looks at how STEM jobs are still very hard to fill. The American Staffing Association and CareerBuilder released its skills index recently that shows how STEM roles are among the hardest jobs to fill with qualified talent. And so this article, I think it's really interesting for you guys to check out because it reflects how it will be hard to change this problem quickly. But turning to apprenticeships and coding boot camps will actually definitely help solve this problem.
1: Nice. And talking about demand for tech talent, Holberton School co-founder Sylvan Kalash wrote a guest post in VentureBeat about how the new Amazon headquarters will need around 17,000 developers. Now, at this at time of recording, Amazon is not said where they're opening their new crazy huge I heard Brooklyn. Amazon thing. Oh, well, that would be nice. Let's go. That's where we are. I saw that they're looking at Philly, too, though. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, everyone is vying for this. Yeah, there's HD, basically right? an
0: article that about every
1: yeah.
0: city uh, being even, the next Amazon headquarters. Yeah, even,
1: like, <laughs> Canadian cities want it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so... Back to Sylvan's article, he says that because top colleges are only graduating around 600 CS majors per year, he thinks that alternative education providers like boot camps and schools like Holberton and 42 are really needed to fill those gaps.
0: And in the incline, Pittsburgh boot camps, Tech Hire Pittsburgh and Academy Pittsburgh explain why we actually need a whole culture shift um, in order to help boot camp grads land jobs. Uh, I don't know if y'all have looked at tech job recs recently, but like, Every one of them still say that they expect a college degree by default. I totally agree with this sentiment. I feel like, you know, how can we adapt to changing labor needs if our job recs all still say a four-year degree needed or, you know, master's and CS needed? It totally, like, discourages boot campers from even applying to those jobs in the first place. So, yeah, culture shift. Let's go. <laughs>
2: Yes, yeah, so Data Science Nigeria, a data science boot camp, wants Nigeria to become the data science outsourcing hub for Africa by 2019 and create 1 million new jobs in 10 years. So definitely some very big goals. Um, data Science Nigeria is also hosting their first national big data economy summit on October 12th in Lagos. So
1: yeah, lots of jobs coming up there. So Forbes talked to a number of employers about why they like to hire from coding boot camps. These employers range from big companies like Overstock.com to small shops like Equity Multiple, Zyrupt, Level11, and Textio. These employers also give really good advice for other employers who are thinking of hiring bootcamp grads. They point out that bootcamp candidates usually show a desire to grow, they can help diversify your company, and that they're up to speed on the latest tech. But remember that as an employer, you should also assess the whole person, not just their schooling.
0: That's great advice. All right. So let's discuss some of the new partnerships between boot camps and universities. You know, people point out benefits and shortcomings to both education options all the time. Um, in next web this month, Matthew Hughes read the stack overflow developer survey. And while it doesn't discredit a college CS degree, he does note how well paid those without degrees are. Um, and in a Flatiron school survey, which got covered by education dive, they found that 68% of working adults would seek further education if it guaranteed them higher paying job. Um, um, and, you know, we've seen boot camps and universities influence e- each other over the past year. I think ultimately that is, you know, to close the gap that each of them know that exists in their models. Um, so Imogen, tell us about the new university and boot camp pa- partnerships that we're seeing.
1: Yeah, so as universities realize their students need practical job ready skills, we are continuing to see them launch coding boot camps. In Forbes, the founder of Trilogy Education, Dan Sommer, says he believes that universities are the solution to the workforce development gap and that a lot more skills-based training can happen on campus. So that's why you're seeing these Trilogy boot camps at more than 25 universities across the U.S., like at Rutgers, UC Berkeley, UCLA, UT Austin and Northwestern. And we are also seeing partnerships between established coding boot camps and universities. So Lauren, tell us about Startup Institute's new partnership.
2: Yeah, so Western New England University is partnering with Startup Institute and they are going to be offering a 10 week data science boot camp. Um, well, data science and analytics. And it's going to occur on October 3rd through December 12th in downtown Northampton. Okay, so a lot has been happening in the university space. Now let's get to what campuses and boot camps are launching. Imogen, what's happening with Apple Swift's boot camp?
1: Right, so we have an update on Apple's one-year app development program, which teaches students to program using Swift. AmericanGenius.com reports that the program is launching at Austin Community College in October. This program is aimed at complete beginners who will learn how to design and code fully functioning apps. And then we have Dev Mountain, which is opening a new campus at
2: the U.S. Bank Center in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. This 12-week program will teach full-stack web development, and the next session starts November 27th.
0: And Launch Code is opening in Tampa, Florida, hoping to fill the gap left by the Iron Yard when it closed its St. Petersburg campus.
1: And then Senegal's first coding bootcamp has opened in Dakar, which is aimed at 18 to 30-year-olds with a bachelor's degree. Um, Applications are now open for that with a deadline of October 5th for the November class.
2: And then Software Guild has partnered with Israeli training company Hacker USA to offer a cybersecurity boot camp in Akron, Ohio.
1: Yeah, I was just talking
0: to their founder Matan and they're actually doing courses with Divergence Academy, Software Guild, University of Miami, SUNY, and um, some others. So, look out for Hacker USA classes. Did y'all see that Scott Jones, the founder of 1150 in Indianapolis is moving to Hawaii? Yes, oh, I
2: just Okay.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. Um, but 1150 now has some competition in Indianapolis uh, because there's a new coding school called Kenzie Academy. They're opening in Indianapolis. Uh, one of the co-founders also co-founded Galvanize. Uh, and students learn for 40 hours a week for a year. And then they can apply to be a Kenzie Studio Fellow where they're paid to work on projects for local companies.
1: Very cool. And then according to telecompaper.com, 42 is opening a new campus in Brussels, Belgium. The founders are currently seeking private backers for the school, which will accommodate 450 students. So this will be the third campus for the free nonprofit three to five year coding boot camp after its Paris and San Francisco campuses. Plus, Quartz also did a deep dive about 42 in Paris, looking at their sleeping arrangements and how students mm-hmm. hacked the elevator system. Oh, geez. As well as origins and funding. Sounds like an X Files episode. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> we also have 12 week coding bootcamp Code Nation, which is launching in Manchester, England. This school was created in direct response to the challenge of the growing skills shortage in the region. So, welcome, Code Nation. And
0: School of Code is launching their four-month bootcamp in Birmingham, UK.
1: And then Invictus Knowledge Institute opened in Pensacola, Florida on September 25th. The school is offering four, eight, and 16-week courses in application development or sysadmin to prepare students for internships and jobs with local tech companies.
0: All right, that's a lot of new campuses. Lauren, do you want to tell us about all the schools we added to course report this month?
2: Sure. So we have Impact Byte, which is in Jakarta, Indonesia. First Step Coding in Boston, New York City, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and online. Logos, which is in Troy, Michigan. Academia Dev to Hack in Caracas, Venezuela. Digital Creative Institute in San Antonio and Austin, Texas. Hyperion Development, which is online. And then we have Tech Fleet Academy in Columbus, Ohio. Wonderful
0: welcome to all of those schools.
1: All right, Liz, what was your favorite piece to write on the quarterport blog this month? Okay. Mine was with
0: a student. So I talked to Graham Davis, who is the CEO of Bruja, which is an online ticket provider in Ontario. So he didn't do a bootcamp to like get a new job, but Graham wanted to be more technical. So he started learning web development and iOS at BrainStation. He did like part-time courses. And now he says he's able to actually contribute to the technical conversation. And he's even attending BrainStation's new online data analytics course to learn how to tell a better story with data. And he says that's made him an even better CEO. So kind of a different story, not your typical career changer story, but I loved that. And Lauren, what was your favorite?
2: I spoke with an online coding bootcamp grab from Thinkful, and it was really amazing to hear his experience about working full-time while also learning to code online. Um, He actually was the first in his family to attend college and became a manager in biomedical engineering before realizing that he really wanted to focus solely on coding. So I think everyone should really check out this piece if you need a little motivation and inspiration to get started. Totally. That was Jose, right?
1: Yes, Jose. Cool. And then I really enjoyed doing a video interview with Debbie Berabiches, who is the chief data scientist at Meta's Data Science Bootcamp. She had some super helpful tips for people thinking about taking a data science bootcamp, including what to learn if you haven't studied math or science in college. She was so good on camera, which is not surprising because she has a show on the Discovery channel. Yeah, she's like totally famous. Yeah, we were a little starstruck. But, yeah. But she was so nice. She was <laughs> the nicest person Yeah,
0: It was amazing to meet her. Um, she's such a like lady boss in the data science industry mm-hmm. and so smart. So yeah, definitely. That's like a five-minute video. Uh, if you want to know what you should learn before you apply to a data science bootcamp. So the best five minutes you'll spend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can find that either on our blog or on our YouTube channel. Well, thank you so much for tuning in.
0: We appreciate you listening and we love feedback. So as always, email us at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future bootcampers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to Course Report um, and leaving a review. And we will see you in October on the Course Report Podcast. Bye. Bye.